right, good morning, EBC. How you guys doing? Let's uh, clap to the Lord today. How are we? You guys good today? So excited you are here with us. We are in the second week of our series called Dysfunction Junction. And uh, we're talking about our relationships and just uh, how, how all of us just have some dysfunction in our relationships in one way or another, because here is the bottom line in our families, sometimes in our work relationships, where we go to school. Bottom line is, is we're all imperfect. We all have brokenness in our lives. There are no perfect families. Amen, right? No perfect families because there are no perfect people, which means this, there are no perfect churches, correct, right? No perfect churches. We all have brokenness in our lives. And here at EVC, we are just a bunch of broken people who love Jesus. And we love Jesus and we want to follow him. And here's the deal with our relationships. No matter what kind of relationships they are, there's, there's a couple of problems that always emerge in these relationships. No matter who you're in a relationship with, all right? A couple of things happen. Number one, we're all a little bit weird, right? We all have weirdness. Did you guys know this about your pastor? Did you know that I am weird? Did you know that? Anybody know that? Right? My wife just rose. She's, she's, she's looking at me right now. I am weird. I, I have been anticipating answers to that question all week, okay? Yeah, I've got some weirdness going on. I've, just, I've got a list of things. Hope could list them for you. But I've got some weird things that I do. One of these things that I do is this nervous habit that I have uh, that, uh, and I, I don't even realize I'm doing this, but one of my legs, if not both, will, if I'm sitting down, will just all of a sudden just kind of start doing this thing right here. I mean, and it's just going to town, and I don't even know that I'm doing this thing, right? And, and hope, this drives her crazy. We've been married for 25 years now, and if she's sitting on a piece of furniture with me and my, my leg is doing this, this means this, that the entire sofa is shaking or wherever we're at, it's shaking. Does anybody else do this? Anybody? All right. I, I mean, somebody, all right, so I'm not totally weird. I, I want to stop doing this. I don't want to do it, but many times I don't even realize that I am doing this. We were at a funeral where I wasn't actually doing the funeral that day. I was, I was, I was, I was in the audience there, and we were sitting on a pew, and she's sitting next to me, and there were other people who were on the pew with us as well, and my, my leg just starts doing this, and so the entire pew is shaking. Now, what Hope will do is she will put her hand on my knee and just say, Stop shaking your leg, all right? She, she used to really annoy her a lot, but now she's a lot nicer about it now because she knows I don't mean to do this, but I just do it. But, but she put her hand on my leg. She's like, you're shaking the pew, all right? And people are looking at us or whatever. So, so I've got that, okay? I've got that one little weirdness about me. That, I mean, that's, that's nothing, all right? I've got this other thing going on where I have these, these two eyebrow hairs, one on my left, one on my right that grow at a, a freakishly mutant pace, just one on each side. And, and, and so if I'm not really careful and make sure that I'm, you know, taking care of, of that and trimming that down, I mean, I can trim that down and then I'll go back the next morning and look in the mirror and I'm like, are you kidding me? How are these things growing like this? I mean, they, they don't just grow, they grow, right, okay? And this is what's happening. And then I'll look in the mirror and I'm like, seriously, I cannot even grow hair on my head, God. And then it dawned on me, all of the energy that would be put into growing hair on my head is going directly into those two hairs of my in my eyebrows. And so they're just growing out. They kind of look like an alien if I don't take care of them. All right, take me to your leader kind of deal. All right. And, uh, and, and so we, we're all weird, right? I mean, I could keep going, but I'm afraid you won't have any respect for me if I keep going, all right? 
You'll lose respect. We're all weird. We all have weirdness going on. I mean, I, I, I am married to an amazing woman who is in here, okay? She's in here today. I won't have her stand up because I would be in big trouble. But she's, she's awesome. She's kind. She's beautiful. But frankly, she's also weird too, okay? She does some weird things. She has this thing where she is freaked out by the sounds that are being made when people are eating, okay? And I'm not talking about like smacking. That's gross to everybody, right? But I'm talking about this, all right? And she's in here, and I love this, okay? And I'm getting to do this. I'm talking about those noises while people are eating or whatever. This, this, I'm loving this right now, right? I'm loving this. This drives her crazy, all right? Does anybody else struggle with that? Is that you? All right, some of you, that, that, I mean, the noises. She said it's an actual disorder that they've come up with now, all right? And so just, the, and what about that? That, okay, she really, the, the, and, and I've been waiting for her to be in this service so I could do that. I was doing it last, last time, and I was like, I can't wait for, for her to be here for me. We were eating Mexican food with somebody the other day, and let's just say that, that who we were eating with was perhaps the loudest chip cruncher we have ever been around ever. And, and it doesn't bother me, okay, but I know my wife, and, and I know that, that I was in awe. In fact, I was in awe of how loud this person was crunching their chips while we were eating Mexican food. I mean, I'm thinking, how do you do that? You have to teach me this, all right? So, all right, and she, he's just crunching away. I mean, you have to almost be trying to do this as loud as he was doing. And, and this, was, this was awesome, all right, because I know her, and I know that it was starting to kind of bother her a little bit, and, I, and I'm trying not to, to look at her too much, and, 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 uh, and I'm probably shaking the table with my leg at the same time. <laughs> my eyebrows are probably freakishly growing at the same time. You know, it's all just all a perfect storm for hope, driving her nuts at the same time. She's wigging out. Food noises are wigging her out. She makes me paranoid whenever I'm eating around her. I feel like I have to eat in silence, okay, which is probably why I shake my leg nervously. It's her fault, okay? All right, I'm so paranoid. But, but when we argue, I'm certain to make those noises, okay? I'm like, I'm doing this on purpose. But uh, I probably have pretty much guaranteed that no one will ever want to go out to eat with the howls again, all right? You'll never want to go out to eat with us. But uh, so we're all, we're all a little bit weird. Turn to the person on your left and just say this to them. Say, you know, you're a little weird. Let them know, all right? Just let them know. They need to know today. Now, now turn to the person who's on your right and let them know you are definitely very weird, okay? Let them know. All right, tell them right now. So we all have, y'all are enjoying that too much, okay? We all have weirdness. We're all a little bit weird. Some of us are a lot weird, okay? But there's this other thing that's going on in our relationships. We all have this too. There's this thing, there's this thing that we all battle with. It's selfishness. We're selfishness just kind of, we're all selfish a little bit, right? And, and, and you, you, do you know anybody that struggles with it? Raise your hand. All right, raise them. Raise your Okay, you know. It's all right. You, you don't have to point them out. But it's everywhere. I know I struggle with being selfish. This past week, I had the opportunity to go to Atlanta for a church planting conference, and I was on my way, and you know what? The whole time I noticed, I, I, maybe it was because I was thinking about it more, but uh, because I knew what I was going to be speaking on, people are selfish. The, the selfishness in humanity comes out in two places. Airports, amen, right? And traffic, okay? 
That is when selfishness emerges. And so I experienced this. I noticed this this week as I was getting ready to board the plane. And, and I'm, you know how they put you in groups to where you're going to board the plane. And I didn't have any checked baggage. A lot of the people didn't. And it was, it was a full flight. I was in group six, okay? They put you in groups so there's order, people, right? There's supposed to be order. But as soon as they start boarding the plane, what does everybody do? They start crowding towards the gate. And, and a lot of them, they don't have that number yet, but they're crowding and everyone's jockeying for position and looking at each other and, you know, and trying to size each other up. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm trying to be pastorly, okay? I'm trying to play it cool. I'm trying to have lots of patience with people. I knew I was preaching on this. And, uh, and I'm observing. And, okay, and, and then they say this, ladies and gentlemen, the flight is full which means that some of you in our later groups are going to have to check your bags. People started freaking out, just moving towards the gate, you know, and as, at that moment, and, 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 and I'm, I'm sitting there, and there's this couple, as I'm kind of moving up, it's getting close, I'm in group six, I'm on the bubble, man, and, and I'm starting to think, I don't want to check my bags, and, and, and I've got a car, you know, that i got to get and do all this other stuff and get to this conference, and so there's this couple that, that, that we're kind of in a little bit of competition, and you just need to know this about me, your Pastor, I am competitive, okay? And so competitiveness starts kicking in because they're like stepping up a little bit, and I'm like, oh, I'll step too. I mean, I'm stepping with you. It's on. You have done crossed the line. It's on. Some of you know me. You know what I'm talking about. It kicked in. Pastor just left at that moment. And I'm like, oh, no, you will not win this, okay? So they're, they're edging up ahead of me. I would step up a little bit. They edge a little bit more. It's getting narrower down to where the, the boarding, the, you know, the gate is. And I'm like, man, they're, they're ahead of me right now. And, it, and I'm just going to put it to you this way. They won because there was an elderly lady that was next to me that I would have had to have pushed her down to win this, all right? And in some, some cases, that might have happened. I'm just saying, not anymore, all right? I was like, I'm going to a conference for Jesus, all right? <laughs> and then this was the worst part of this. We're on the, in the tunnel getting to go in, and I'm fuming because I lost. And then I heard the lady lean over to her husband and say, we weren't even in group six. We were group seven. And I'm like, what? I lost, but I lost to cheaters. Selfish humanity, you did not win. That's what I was thinking to myself. You cheated, all right? And so then I go get my rental car, and, and driving in Atlanta is just as messed up as driving here, all right? If you've been there, it's a mess. Traffic everywhere, driving, and I'm trying, I'm going to the conference for Jesus. I'm trying to be in the right frame of mind, right? And, and, and I've had enough of this selfish humanity at this point. It's, so it's backing up. And don't you hate it whenever, whenever the right lane is supposed to, it funnels down and it's supposed to merge in and that's what causes the traffic. And so I try to do the right thing. I try to get in the left lane. I get in line like everyone should, right? And, and you do that and then there's those people who come down and, and, the, and I was in this, this junky little, little car, all right, rental car, and Mr. Beamer rolls up all the way and it's time for, and I'd already let some people in, man. I'm letting you know. I'm like, oh, everyone merge, go ahead, you know? And so we get here and, and he's, he's trying to cut in on me and I'm like, you know what? No, no, I'm not letting you in. I've already let my people in. You, you, have, you have cheated. 
You're not cheating the system. I was probably a quarter inch off of the bumper in front of me. I'm like, I will wreck this car before I let you in. How many of you are with me? You feel that, right? I mean, I, and I, I won't even look at you and acknowledge you at this moment. No looky, no yieldy, okay? I mean, that's what's going on at this point. I am not letting you in. I won, okay? He didn't get in. And then I'm driving there and it dawned on me, I, I hope he's not going to the conference for Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, oh Lord, what have I done? What is wrong with me? It's because this, we all are a little bit weird, aren't we? We're all weird. We're all selfish. Turn, turn to the person next to them, just say, you are selfish. Let them know. They need to know that right now. You're selfish. We all can be selfish. And so here's what you get. We're all weird. We're all selfish. And then you throw in this thing that's called sin nature, all right, which is a big reason why we're weird and we're broken and we're selfish and eyebrows grow the way they do, and, right? And all of our bodies are broken, our minds are broken, everything's broken in this world. And then you've got this. You've got families that are coming together and we all have baggage. We all have wounds. We all have hurts from our past. You all have things that are going on. Someone's hurt you. Someone's done something to you at some point, and you, maybe that has never been resolved. You put us together in families. You put us together in churches. You put all of this brokenness together with the weirdness and the baggage and all this stuff and the past and the wounds and the hurts, and here's what happens. Our, our trains start crossing, and here's what you run into. You run into drama. That's what happens when we get our families together sometimes. You run into drama. You, you run into to this right here dysfunction junction. That's whenever it rolls into town, right? Which is going to produce this hot emotions. You're going to say things sometimes. You're like, I cannot believe I said that. But stuff just comes out and you say things and, or, or, you know, words are flying. You're saying stuff you didn't mean. You're flying off the handle. You're, you're irritated with everyone all the time. It comes out in so many different ways. And I want to take us this morning to the book of James. If you have your Bibles, look with me in James chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, maybe you've got a device and you can look with me on there. Or you can follow with me up on the screen. But we're going to dig in into God's Word. And if you'll recall, when we started the series last week, James was telling us that if you want your, your dysfunction in your relationships to know how to navigate through that, then you've got to get some godly wisdom from the Lord. And then he talks about that godly wisdom. He talks about, he talks about it being pure and peace-loving and, and, and sincere and gentle and all of this. And it's so drastically different than the rest of the way the world handles stuff. And he's talking to a group of Christians. James has written a letter to these group of believers that were new in the Lord and they were bickering and they were fighting and they were struggling and there was dysfunction in their lives because they were broken just like we are broken. What do we know about James? James came, uh, was the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus was perfect. But James, you need to understand that Jesus' family, who included James, was not perfect. His family was not perfect. Jesus was perfect, but his family wasn't. 
His fa- in fact, if you look at the lineage of Jesus, one of the things that I think is so beautiful that the Lord has shown us is that he lists all of these people. And if you begin to look at what's going on with some of these people, what you're going to find is that they're all broken. They've all messed up. They've all made mistakes. And, and the Lord came out of that lineage, which is a big part of why there was the virgin birth there, okay? And that, and that the Lord, uh, as, he was, as he came into this world, Right? So we're going to look in James chapter 4, and we're going to see that James is going to begin to speak to us today about, about some of this stuff. And, and here's what I've been praying for you, and I've been praying for myself, is we need to take a look under the hood today. We need to understand what's going on within us. We need to ask the Lord to, to show us why we act the way we do sometimes and do some of the things that we do, which is, I mean, again, uh, we, we want to invite the Lord to heal some of these past wounds because there's a big need for that. And, and when we understand that and experience healing and grace from the Lord and his grace floods into our lives, then what's going to begin to happen is we experience that grace and then we're going to begin to more readily extend it to people who are around us. And that is a big part of the gospel, right? And so we're asking the Lord to do this. But we need to understand God created us with emotions. But for some of us, where emotions have been created for us to help us with the way that we feel in things, for some of us, our emotions get out of whack and our, our emotions, for many of us, rule over us. Rather than the Lord ruling in our lives, our emotions will rule many of us and it's impacting our relationships. James is writing to these people who have drama and dysfunction and it applies to our relationships today. He says in James chapter four, verse one, he's gonna say this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? What's causing that? And that's always a good place to start, and that's where we want to start today. We've got to ask the question, what's going on here? What's really happening in my life here? We're very real with you as pastors. I try to just be as real as I can with you and let you know that I'm imperfect and my marriage is not perfect. Hope and I were in an argument the other day I'm not glad we were. It was not a good one. But something just happened. And the next thing you know, we went from calm to conflict. Does that ever happen to you? And I'm like, what just happened? And I don't mean what just happened with her. I'm talking about me. Like, all of a sudden, just, it's like the beast within just kind of emerged. And I'm like, what in the world just happened here? James says, all right you got to stop and ask this question, what's causing this? It's more than just, you know, we're just going to have some choice words. There's something behind this. What's at the root? There's a tendency when we get in conflict with others and when there's dysfunction in our families, normal, normal human tendency is to, to be looking at everyone else. Gosh, if everyone else wasn't just a bunch of idiots, then we would all be okay in this family. If everyone else would stop acting the way they act, right? I mean, I, I know. Or if, 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 if she wouldn't have done that, or if he would stop doing this. And what James is going to do is he's not going to go in that direction. He's going to first say, all right, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? you got to get at the root of this. And then he's going to say this. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within, what does he say? You. The war within you. 
our tendency is to look on the outside. James says, that's not where we start. Now, that doesn't minimize the fact that there are people who have done things on the outside who are hurting you or have hurt you or whatever, but, but here's what we've learned here, and here's what I'm learning in my life. I can't control what other people are going to do. I can't make them behave a certain way. I can't, even if I demand it, it's disingenuous, right? If they do start, I can't control that. All I can do is go to work on me. So what James says is, look, you've got to go to work on the the bigger issue. It's not the war on the outside that you really need to start with. He says, you've got to work on the, the war that's going on on the inside that's happening in your own heart. What James is saying is, look, if you really want to move towards healing in your relationships... I know that's what we want. We want things to be better. We want our relationships to be better. I want a good marriage. I want my kids to love their dad and to not feel like I'm a dysfunctional father that's overbearing. I want them to love, I want them to understand and and grow up with with a godly father, right? I want my relationships and extended family to be well. I want my relationships with people in our church to be to well to be well and right. Here's what he's saying. If you really want that, you got to move beyond just wanting to be right, which I have a problem with that sometimes, and feeling like I'm personally responsible for setting everyone straight. You know the reason why I had such a problem with that guy wanting to cut in? and I have a strong sense of justice in me. And sometimes I feel like it's my responsibility to execute that judgment and that justice. And that can really, at certain times, it can be a problem for me whenever, whenever it's not even my place to do that, right? And so James is saying, you got to go to work on the war zone inside. You got to work and, and, and begin to submit the sinful nature before the Lord and understand that God has crucified that through Jesus Christ. There's a pull and push that's going on, he says, with your own desires, your own flesh, your own pride, your own selfishness. So whenever Hope and I were arguing the other day, I wasn't just looking for another sermon illustration, I assure you, but as, as it calmed down and I walked away from that, what I realized was, and I can't think, I can't answer for her in this, what I realized was there was an enormous amount of selfishness and pride within me that just boiled to the surface. I'm like, where did that come from? See, it doesn't just, and we're going to get to this in just a second. There's there's more to it. So here's what we do. If you're taking notes, this is a good thing to write down. Number one, I need to look in before I look out. If I want my relationships to begin to gain health and to, to, you know, we're not going to be perfect in our families, but if we're going to get well, if we're going to get better, if we're going to grow, if we're going to model health before our children, then I've got to start looking in before I look out. I heard the story about a lady who was driving her car and she was having all kinds of problems with it. It wouldn't run right. She couldn't get it to go above 45 miles an hour. It was sputtering and kind of just stopping and stuff like this. She took it to the mechanic. The mechanic was trying to figure out what was going on with it himself, and he made some assumptions on some things. He drove it a little bit, and then it dawned on him, you know what, I didn't check the air filter. And so he checked the air filter, and when he looked under the hood, this is what he found when he looked under in the air filter, and this is a bunch of nuts that a squirrel had taken and had, and she realized what had been happening. They were the same nuts that she was throwing in her backyard, and she was putting them in the backyard, and this squirrel hit the mother load, okay? <laughs> and was finding a place to prepare for winter, and, and he was taking them, putting them in her car in this area. When the mechanic finally pulled all of them out, it was like two to three pounds of nuts. 
I mean, he was stacking up, all right? And it was blocking, it was blocking the flow of air. And, and, uh, and, and so here, here's the thing. We're all a little nutty, right? We all have things going on under the hood. We all have stuff that's dysfunctional. Look, I even have a reminder of whenever I go in my house to remind, remind myself that I'm going into the nut house. Someone gave us this a few years ago. It says, welcome to the nut house. And um, I don't know why Hope would not let me put this inside our house. And so it's in our garage before I go in. And I'm reminded, I'm go- welcome to the nut house, right? The garage is mine. All right, it's classy, isn't it? All right? But we all, we all have this. We all have to acknowledge and humble ourselves, admitting that we need help looking under the hood. Little help looking under the hood. And sometimes I do some of the craziest things. Sometimes I do some things and I'm like, what am I doing? Where did that come from? Why did I do this? Why, like driving in traffic, what happens to me? Why do I care so much about some of this? Right? There's, there's something more that's going on than just, I'm going to be five seconds ahead of you. Right? There's, there's something deeper. that i got to look under the hood. Paul even acknowledged this in Romans chapter 7. Paul said, why do I do these things that I don't want to do? I can't do the things I want to do. Of course, and then in Romans chapter 8, he starts talking about the power of the Holy Spirit giving him victory in these areas. Right? It's one of the greatest passages in all of Scripture. And if I want to move forward with healing... It starts by looking within. It starts by looking under the hood, not looking at everyone else, taking my eyes off of comparisons and, well, I'm not as bad as he is or I don't do what she does or whatever, you know. And and there's probably some stuff and baggage and emotions that all of us have here today that God wants to work on because they're keeping you from running the way that you're supposed to be running. And if you won't, and and it's impacting your relationships. And if you won't look under the hood, if you're too prideful to look under the hood, and you won't do that, then listen, your relationships are never gonna run the way they're supposed to run. You're gonna keep just not ever able to get above 45. You're gonna keep sputtering. You're never gonna be hitting on all cylinders the way that God made you to be and the way he created your relationships to be. And that may be where some of you are stuck as you haven't looked within. You're still looking out. And God says, start by looking within. Let's start there. That's where we go. Here's the next part. In looking under the hood, I need to identify and I need to deal with wounds that are in my past because they are doing this. They are impacting our present. And if you won't acknowledge them, And if you won't deal with them, some of us, we won't look under the hood because we don't want to see what's under the hood. But if we'll finally look under the hood, God's going to show us some things, but it's not to make, it's not to hurt us more. What God is saying, I want you to stop living in denial about some of this stuff. You're living in denial. Or or some of us, we, we will just suppress it and we won't deal with it. And then it becomes toxic. If these past wounds are never dealt with, They become what are called trigger emotions, where an emotion will happen, and then they're not dealt with, and they have nothing to do with maybe the particular situation that is going on, but it triggers something within you because that wound hasn't been healed, and now all of a sudden this toxic stuff just begins to emerge out of your mouth, and you spew this stuff on others. 
And you're going, whoa, where did that come from? Well, the Lord says that it's things that are going on inside of our hearts. And so we have to deal with it. If I don't deal with it, here's the thing. The stuff, the wounds from my past, if they're not dealt with and brought before the Lord, and he, he wants to heal. Do you believe that God still heals today? Do you believe that? Do you know that he heals not only physically, but God wants to heal us emotionally? He wants to heal our emotions too. And so here's what he's wanting to do is bring healing into your life in those areas. And if you won't deal with some of the wounds from your past, it is going to impact your relationships in the present today. And some of you are stuck in a vicious cycle and you're wondering, why can't I get past this, this certain area that I seem to bump up to and we never can go any deeper in our relationship. And so you start verbally vomiting upon others. And it just kind of comes out and you're like, where did that come from? Right? There's some, there, all of us have something that's going on inside of us, a past wound that hasn't been dealt with, a resentment that maybe you're still carrying. And you're holding on to that thing and it's weighting you down and it's impacting the air filter of your spirit. And it's impacting your relationships today. I came across this hilarious story of a dad who was in distress. And I know you dads are going to feel this today. His little toddler, whose name was Declan, De Declan had one of these throw-up moments, all right? How many of you have had one of your kids that he, they throw up and it's like, oh, man, all right? Am I the only one? A few of you? Okay, yeah. You probably have some great stories like our family does, all right? Luke and Trinity doing that. And I am a sympathetic vomiter, okay? I'm just letting you know. I'm like the guy, if you've seen the movie Stand By Me, once it gets going, all right? Everybody's going, right? And that I struggle with that. Well, apparently, Greg Patterson had this problem too. His wife, uh, Stephanie, was out with her girlfriend. She needed a break. And so Greg picked Declan up, and Declan is in his little car seat. And I think we have a, a, a port. We have him up there? Yeah? There he is. Look at him. He, it, uh, that's gross, isn't it? Very gross. Very sad. He looks very sick. But I've got, I've got captured what, what Greg was trying to say to Stephanie, all right? What began to unfold was hilarious. This is what he said in te a text conversation with her. It was one way because she never responded, all right? I wonder why. He says, so this just happened. And then the next one, I just pulled over and I'm trying not to throw up myself. Call me, all right? How many of you feel sorry for him, dads, do you? I know you moms have no sympathy whatsoever. I just threw up trying to clean him up. It smells so bad. This is what he's communicating to Stephanie. No reply from her. Here's the next series of texts. I seriously don't know what to do. I'm barfing every time I try to clean him up. I'm puking on some lady's lawn in Burlingham, and she's, she comes out to ask me if I'm drunk while I'm driving the kids. I'm trying to explain that I'm a sympathetic vomiter, and I can't handle the smell. This is so bad. And I love this next part. And the cops showed up. And now a breathalyzer. And then this part, you owe me so big. That's what he says. Still, no reply from Stephanie. She's having a good time with her girlfriends. All right, and this is what he says. He continues on. Meanwhile, Declan continues to barf. What did he eat because it smells like rotting whale blubber? Answer your phone. How many of you feel that today? Answer your phone, woman, all right? 
He goes on and says, at least I passed the breathalyzer. And then this is another favorite part of mine, trying to drive home with the windows down and breathing through my shirt. The truth is we all have stuff within us. If we don't look within and we don't start dealing with it, and we don't bring those past wounds to God, then just like little Declan, the toxic stuff is gonna come out. And here's the deal. The people who are around us and who love us the most often are the ones that have to deal with it. Are you with me, right? Sometimes they deal with stuff and and they're having to deal with it and they become the object of, of our wrath from stuff that other people a long time ago did to us. Man, and then we're hurting the people that are in our lives right now. We're hurting our kids. We hurt our spouse, right? And God is saying, I want you to dig under the hood. Bring that stuff to me. My grace can cover that. I can help you with this. I want you to experience freedom from this stuff. I didn't just come just to give you heaven. I came to walk with you in this life right now. So you experience life with me now, right? And it's, it's typically the closest to us in our present that pay for the stuff that happened to us in our past. And God wants to bring that under his grace today. We all have stuff. It starts coming up. I've got to stop living in denial. I've got to stop suppressing this stuff. I've got to be willing to get real with God. Plus, one of the reasons we started this church is I want people in this community to feel like there's a safe place that they can come so they can be real and get real with God. Because if we don't, we're not going to get well. And our community is going to continue to be in the darkness that it is in. We've got to get real with God. We've got to come clean with him. We've got to say, I've got wounds, God. He's wanting us to come to him with his stuff. We've got to ask him to heal these trigger points in our lives, those past wounds. So here's my question to you. Have you dealt with them? Are you dealing with them? Or are you just rolling along in your car that won't run right? And you're not hitting on the cylinders that God created you to, to hit on. And you're just kind of just sputtering along. You're, you're going through life. You're not going to, you're just surviving. You're not experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus wants you to have. Here's the, this is a big deal. And if you don't catch anything else I say today is he came not only to set us free from the penalty of our sin, but he also has made it possible through the power of the Holy Spirit to be set free from the prison and the patterns of our past. That is the gospel. The gospel is not just about us only going to heaven. That's, the, that's a great part, yes. But he said, I'm going to leave you here right now and I want to bring healing in your life because I want you to be a testimony in the world of what I can do in people's lives and the healing. Because when you begin to experience wellness and wholeness and, and, and things are, are your family uh, you know, begins to improve and your marriage gets better, who gets the glory? God does as he works in your life, and that's what he wants to do. 
We don't have to be dominated by this stuff in our past. Christ wants to break those bonds in our life too. This is the beauty of knowing Christ. It's the beauty of walking with him every day. You're not just looking at a destination of getting to heaven one day. It's I'm in a relationship with God every day, every moment I get to walk with Jesus. And I experience his grace every day. You know, some of the... uh, some of the, uh, the godliest, and God wants to use godly people. One of the ways that he often will use this uh, and will begin to help us with this is with godly people that he places in our life. For some of you, it's going to be a good friend. For some of you, it may, you may not have a friend like that. For some of us, and this is, I want to just put this out here. It is not wrong or bad to get help from a Christian counselor. That is a legitimate good thing to do. There are people that God gifts in that specific area to help us look under the hood. But you know what that takes? It takes humility. It takes me saying, you know what, I I care more about my relationships than I do about what other people might think about me or or whatever. Nobody wants to go get help like that. It's not like, oh, I can't wait to do that. But it's necessary for some of us to do this. And it's not a bad thing. We celebrate it when it happens. So it may happen with a good friend for you. It may happen that you, that you go see a godly counselor. Can I, I, I've, I've told our church this many times. I'll tell you again because I'm not ashamed about it. Several years ago, whenever I was pastoring this church and I was struggling and I was going through a dark time and I had some wounds from my past that were starting to emerge in that toxic way like Declan, coming out, it was coming out on my family, coming out on people within our church, people would come up to me and be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, yeah, what are you talking about? And they're like, that, that's what I'm talking about. You know, and and, and what's going on with you? And this was my reply, nothing. My weight was, was, I was gaining weight because I was stressed out. I was struggling. I was angry about some stuff in the past. I dealt with some betrayals. I had some people who had hurt me. I had people who were talking bad. About I had stuff from another church that I still had not dealt with. I was carrying resentment. And here I am pastoring this church. And I'm trying, man. And I'm trying to make it. And you know what the breaking point for me was? My little girl who was up here singing today, she's now a teenager now, but she was a little girl. She was sitting on my lap. We were sitting in the front yard. I didn't want to play with my kids. I was ticked off about something. I was, I was very overweight at the time because I was running to food instead of going to God. And she says this. She says, Daddy, why are you always so sad? It kills me to think that for a period of time in that child's life, that that was her view of her father as I'm just a sad, bitter person, an angry man. And what kills me even more was thinking about the fact that if I didn't do something about that and look under the hood and get some help from somebody, that she was going to grow up in a pastor's home where that was her experience My daddy was a pat. What happens when she gets ready to start making her decisions about who Jesus is? But she's seen her dad, who's supposed to be a pastor, and, you know, and he's just a big grouch all the time. And I said at that point, I said, God, I need some help. I need to talk to some people. I don't want to fake it anymore. I'm tired of faking it. We're going to start this church. We started this church to be authentic, but I'm faking it right now. And so I told Hope, I think I need to get some help. 
I know inside Hope was probably going, thank you. (laughs) I met with our church, just like I am right now, and I said, I'm wounded right now, and I need to get some help. I hadn't done anything wrong. I was just bitter. I had bitterness. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go talk to, to a counselor. Um, I need a little time out. Praise God for godly people in this church who didn't say, let's throw him away and get a new pastor. But people came around me, and they loved me. And they said, you get well. We want you here for the rest of your life. So I went to a counselor. And you know what? They helped me look under the hood. And I discovered things that I'd been carrying that I just kind of suppressed and, and bitterness from some past church relationships and stuff that I dragged into this. And I, I was projecting on others. And God helped me at that moment to begin to, to come under the, and I, under the grace of the Lord and that and bring it to him and quit faking it and bring it to him. Deal with it. The counselor said, let God know you're angry. And I did. Just like David does in the Psalms. And I wondered, can I do this? But you know what? Here's the deal. If you don't let God know, you're going to take it out on those around you like that. And so I expressed it to God that way. And I started realizing the more I started talking to God about this, he was healing me in these areas. And I am not ashamed to tell you that today because here's the deal. I am better now than I have ever been. Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, I'm still broken. I still mess up. We still fight sometimes. But here's the deal. God is working, and I'm realizing there's stuff under the hood. And maybe you need to, you need to bring some stuff to God today. Ask him to, as you look under the hood, I need to acknowledge it. Stop suppressing it and just say, I'm going to get real with you, God. I don't want to just come through the motions of coming to church like I've done so many times. Could I just come and really have an encounter with you, Jesus? I want to get real with you. So he goes on and he says this. By the way, the Lord is saying, I want you to bring that to me. I want you to tell me how you're feeling. I want you to express it to me. I want to bring healing. I want to bring my grace into those areas in your life because I want to heal you in these areas. He's going to go on. And he's going to say to these believers, he shoots straight. James does not pull punches, which is what many of us need. He says, you want what you don't have. So we have contentment issues. Contentment issues, that's a whole other sermon. So what you'll do when you can't get what you want, you will scheme. And then he goes another step and says, you'll even kill to get it. When you don't address this stuff, he says there's a natural progression that starts happening. So if we don't address it, we start wanting what we want. When we don't get it, then the progression is this. Then I'm going to start manipulating to get what I want. I'm going to start trying to control. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to, I, you know, and, 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 and we project and it happens. I'm going to start, and he says this. You're hating. You're comparing. You're coveting. It leads to jealousy. He's, he's saying, and, and here's the deal. I know what we think when we read that. Well, I would never kill anybody. I don't know. That doesn't apply to me. No, but you're killing your marriage. You're killing your relationship with your kids. You're slaying people emotionally because you won't deal with what's under the hood. And he goes on and he says, you're jealous of what others have. He's saying, stop comparing yourself to others. Look in. Go to work on you. 
You can't get it, so he says you fight, you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because, and then he's going to say this, you won't even talk to God about it. What he's saying is there's prayerlessness in your life. You're too prideful to even pray. You're counting on the world to meet your needs. And he says, start talking to God and it will change your heart tremendously. It doesn't mean you fake it with God, you get real with God. You start telling him how you really feel, just like David in the Psalms did. And he says, and now he's going to take it another notch up. He says, even when you ask, you don't get it because he says your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. In other words, it's all about you. It's not about about anyone else but you. And he's saying, look within. Stop living in denial. Humble yourself. Come before God. And here's what he's saying right here. I need to look up to God to meet my needs. And that even includes this, not just physical needs. I need to count on God to be the one to meet my emotional needs. It is not fair for me to place upon that woman sitting there the responsibility of meeting all of my emotional needs because she is broken just like I am broken. And so we're just going to disappoint one another. Whenever I'm walking closer with Christ and I'm counting on him to fulfill me emotionally. Now, he certainly uses her and he uses our kids. And many of you uh, definitely, you know, do some great things in in being friends with, with us and stuff. But you'll never eat with us again. But you do great things in being friends with us. But... But, but here's what I know. When I am upset, being honest, the last thing I, when Hope and I maybe are in an argument, being honest, the last thing I want to do at that moment is talk to God and pray, right? It's not like we're fighting, the, let us pray, all right? And, what, and that doesn't happen in pastors' families either. And what James is saying is, that is your problem, is that you won't even talk to me about this stuff, You're so prideful, you won't even talk to me at this point. You're trying to do this in your own power. You're trying to work it out on your own. James says, we'll have a lot more peace if we talk to God more. We'd have a lot less to worry about, a lot less to argue about if if we're walking with God closer. And I mean, there's songs that have been written about this. How about this one? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry, if you know it, sing it, everything to God in what? In prayer. We wig out over what prayer is. Here's all it is. It's talking to God. It's just telling him, this is how I'm feeling right now. I want to talk to you, God. Right? He goes on and he says this. James says this internal war is going on, but here's the reason. Our pride not only causes conflict with other people, but it also, and this is where some of you are at, you're still at war with God. You're warring with God. And so James does not mince words. He uses kind of a two-by-four approach, smacks them in the face, and, and this is not, he's not trying to make friends with them. He's trying to tell them and diagnose and tell them what the problem is. Look at what he says next. This is rough. You adulterers. That is not an, a good way to win friends and influence people at that point, is it? He calls them adulterers. What does he mean? He's saying you're the bride of Christ. 
You want all the benefits of being in this great relationship with Christ, but you go to the world to fulfill yourself instead of seeking fulfillment through him. And he's saying it's like spiritual adultery. Whenever I was struggling, and I still struggle every day with my weight, I still struggle every day with wanting to go to food to whenever I'm stressed. And do you know what that is? It's spiritual adultery. <laughs> it's idolatry. He's saying, don't go to that stuff. Come to me. Come to me. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And look at what he says. This, this is powerful. James brings it, brings it to him, but then he's going to bring grace right along with it. And he gives grace, say it with me, church, what? Generously, generously. As the scriptures say, we read it with me out loud, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I need more grace, not opposition. How about you? I need more grace, but he says it comes with humility. What is grace? It's the gospel. It's not only heaven one day and forgiveness of sin. It's also the power to change. It's, it's that he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives in us right now to impact our behavior in the present. He chooses to reside within us. So when the war is raging within and it's raging against God, naturally we're going we're gonna to rage against others. It's going to be turned towards others. We'll come back to verse 7 in just a sec, but let me just give you just an, another part of what James is going to say. So if I want my relationships to get better, if I, wanna, if, if I want to grow, if I want to grow to be more healthy in my relationships, here's what he says next. I need to stop playing God in my relationships. What does he mean by that? What is he talking about? It's playing this, you see, when, when there's this war that's going on within and we're warring with God, then we start warring with other people and he's saying selfishness and this pride in our hearts, if it's not dealt with in the past wounds, God, it will begin to manifest itself in ways that we speak to other people and ways we speak about other people. So here's what will begin to happen. We will start becoming very critical of people. We notice all the stuff we don't like rather than what we love about them. We'll become negative. We'll become their judge. What about you? Are you negative? What would people say about that? What would the people who are closest to you? Are you negative? Do you have a critical spirit where you're just constantly pointing out what's wrong? Look at what James is going to say. He's going to say, stop playing God. Don't speak evil against each other because that's what's going on in your heart. Dear brothers and sisters, so once again, talking to Christians, they don't have it all together. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Critical spirit, judgment, all this, negativity. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. By the way, it does. He's saying, now look at what he says next. God alone who gave the law he is the judge, not us. You're not God, neither am I. So stop playing God's role. It's not our responsibility to set everyone around us straight. It's God's job. So I'm releasing control. What that means for some of us today is you're going to need to release 
some resentment you've been carrying for a long time, you need to forgive. We've talked a lot about forgiveness, what it is and what it's not, but let me just sum it up for you in this. It's taking them off of your hook and putting them on God's hook. It's not saying what they did was okay or that they minimizing what it's just saying, I forgive you. I'm putting you on God's. God is God. God will take care of this. But I forgive you. I forgive you. And then you release. So he goes on and he says, he alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? He's asking rhetorically. And what he means is you don't have a right. You're broken just like they are. You're a sinner just like they are. So in looking within, James tells us to do these things, just wrapping this up right here. If we want to get better, he's very clear. Look at what he's going to say. Listen to the scripture. This is the Lord speaking to us today. So here's what he says. You want things to get well. You want to begin to get healthy in these areas. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come closer to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And then this is powerful. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. What he's saying is let there be repentance. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Stop pretending. Get real. Look under the hood. And then he says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and say it with me. What does God do at that point? And then he will lift you up in honor. Wellness will begin to come into your life and in your relationships. Cure to relational problems is this. Bottom line is humility. Humility before God and humility with others. As we humble ourselves before God, he begins to give us the humility in humbling ourselves before, as we realize what God's done for us. Just very quickly, here's some action points for you. This is what some of us are going to need to do today. I'd suggest all of us do it. We give in to God. Submit ourselves to God. Humble yourselves before God. Let God be God. Acknowledge he's in control. You're not. There's a good chance that some of you have an incredibly difficult time making peace with others because you're still not at peace with God. And he's made it possible for you to be at peace with him through Jesus Colossians says, chapter 3, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, not your emotions. Let Christ rule. Here's the second thing. Get wise to Satan's schemes. Resist the devil. What does that mean? Stand firm. How did Jesus resist Satan? One, he knew the word of God. You got to dig into God's word. He gives a promise, resist the enemy and he will do what? Flee from you. Do you know what the enemy flees from? The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Resist him. Grow closer to God is the next one he says. Come to me, he says, come to me. I love you. Come to me and I will come near to you. He wants to be right in the middle of what's going on in your life, not from afar or aloof, but he loves you and he wants to walk with you. Isaiah says in chapter 26, you will keep, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Come near to me, God says. And here's the last thing. 
Be willing to ask forgiveness when necessary. Some of you may need to seek some forgiveness from God for some things. And God says, I want you to come to me with that. Don't don't go away from me. Come near to me. I'm a gracious God. I long to forgive you. I long to bring healing in you. For some of you, it may be that you need to go to another person and humble yourself and say, I was wrong. I've been selfish. Look, he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. This is, this is getting coming clean with God. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Maybe you've been running to something else. You've been counting on something else to fulfill you. He's saying, come to me. And I will come near to you. And then he says, let there be tears for what you've done. What he's saying is he wants you to be real about it. He's wanting you to, this is called repentance. Humble yourself. What did Jesus say? Happy are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn for they shall be what? Comforted. That's what he says to do. James is just echoing his brother Jesus. He's echoing it. And you know what God does when we humble ourselves? This is the beauty of the gospel. He runs in. He can't wait to run to you and wrap you in his arms of love and forgive you and help you and walk with you and heal your emotional distress. He he longs to come alongside you. So let us just pray before him right now as we pray. Maybe for you, you just would realize you need some help today and you just need to reach out to someone. We have ministers on staff that can help you. We might need to connect you with a counselor. We're here for you. Maybe today you need to come to the Lord in humility and just say, I'm going to humble myself before you right now. Just allow God to begin to look under the hood. Maybe you need to open up with a good friend just been suppressing some stuff, but you're going to take a risk and you're going to open up with someone. You know what you're inclined to hear back if they're a good friend and a godly friend? You're inclined to hear me too. I struggle with that too. Maybe you need to go to someone today and apologize. Stop expecting them to do it first or whatever. Just take the initiative. Just say, you know what? I'm going to to be humble in this been selfish. I'm sorry. He wants to give us power to change, to become the person he's made us to be. Not bitter, angry, negative, critical. The world gets enough of that. It needs more Christians filled with joy and peace. As I pray, you might just say this to the Lord if you agree with me in prayer today. God, today I want to give in to you. I want to give you my life, my marriage, my parenting, my career. I submit it all to you, Lord. And what I'm asking you to do is to put the peace of Jesus in my heart to rule me, not my emotions. God, will you help me to get wise to the schemes of Satan and to resist him? He plays on my pride. He tells me things I want to hear, but but really... It just makes matters worse. Father, help me to to take a step close to you today. You promised you'd come near to me. If that's you, me too, Lord, me too. Father, I admit that many times I've put me ahead of others and even ahead of you, and I need you to forgive me today, Lord. Will you forgive me? Me too, Lord. 
I want to become more like Jesus and have an attitude of humility. Me too, Lord. Teach me to say your will be done instead of me first. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ as your Savior to be the Savior of your life, you might just say, Lord Jesus, will you save me? I believe you're the Messiah. I accept this gift of eternal life, and I don't only want to just be with you in heaven one day, I want to walk with you today. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. I want to invite you to stand with us today, and we're going to bring these things to the altar of God in our hearts. Let's just make this our final song to God today. Make it your worship. Forget about the people around you. Bring it to God today.